Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. This, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The writer says, do not err, my beloved brethren. So today I want to talk or teach along these lines, the nature of temptation, the nature of temptation. We all stand on level ground today because there's not a single one of us that has not been tempted in some way or fashion. We all have been. But the, 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 the light bulb moment I think for us is this, is that we always see temptation as something that's alluring and enticing that's coming to us but in most cases according to the word of the lord we are just as much as a player or a participant in our own temptation as anything is amen and so we want to consider that today the nature of temptation if we pray this morning father i come to you this morning I'm grateful again today to be in this house of the Lord. God, we're grateful for our guests and we're grateful, Lord, for those that have come to join us in a time of fellowship and food today. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, but before we get there, help us, God, to hear, Lord, from the word of the Lord, from the scriptures. God, that they would help direct and guide our lives. I know, Lord God, that they are able to do so. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> the book of James, or James himself. James, James is talking to some, some troubled people. He's talking to some people that have uh, went through some tests or some temptations that no doubt come to everyone. We all have tests or trials that we might call them that come to us in our lives and the make or break of how we successfully come through those tests or temptations come down to how we respond to those tests and those temptations. It's oftentimes been said, and I would agree to uh, a, certain, a certain degree, that tests help mature us, but temptations help reveal us. One will mature us, the other will reveal really who we are. Sometimes... James has started out here in the scripture. He's talking about trials. He's talking about testing. And we see all these things as on the outside of us, as things that take place out there. But whenever we talk about temptations, temptations isn't just something that takes place out there, but they are something that happen on the inside of us. And if we're not careful, the testing on the outside becomes a temptation on the inside. It comes on the inside of us. James is dealing with, with the moment that the test and the trials that happen around us do in fact he deals with the moment that they become temptations on the inside of us and so we know that god god at times sends trials or tests our way amen 
And it's how they come to us, whether or not we bite the bait in such a way that we make it our own lust. Our own lust makes it a temptation to us. Or our own enticing makes it a temptation for us. It's just a trial in our life. It's just a test in our life. But we change it from trial to temptation. Everybody say, I do that. I do that. We change it from test to temptation. Because temptation is sometimes the opportunity we see in escaping the difficulty. We, we, we want to get away from the, the, the difficulty of being alert or enticed. And so in doing so, we give in to whatever it may be. Shortly after Israel started her wilderness journey, the Bible said that she was in need of water. That was her trial. She was without water or a shortage of water. And so that was her trial. But due to this, their own lust, due to their own enticement that James even speaks of, this lack of water becomes a temptation to them. Because now, since they're without water, they start saying things like this. Uh, it would be better if we were back in Egypt. We have no water around us. That's the trial. But now they go a step further. It would be better if we were just back in Egypt. They, they start to complain to Moses, did you bring us out here in this wilderness just to die? And so the lack of water for them was a trial, but it become a temptation to go back to go back to where they once were, to return to the house of bondage that they had been freed from. Now think about it for a moment. We might not really take inventory from day to day uh, concerning the different temptations we face, but I want to present to you this morning, consider some of the temptations that you and I have the possibility or opportunity of facing just in an ordinary day. For instance, staying in bed later after the alarm has already went off. The temptation to be, and I, this is, please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about the snooze. I'm talking about you need to be getting to work. The temptation to be lazy. Growling at the breakfast table. The temptation to be unkind. Some people don't wake up with a smile. Others got to, you know, develop that throughout the day. Arguing over who should change the baby this time. Remember the years of dirty diapers and things of like that? Arguing over who should change the baby this time. The temptation to be selfish. Starting work 10 minutes late. The temptation to be slothful. Losing your temper when a co-worker does something to you in the office. A temptation perhaps to be impatient. Flirting with that good-looking woman. Taking a second look at that good-looking man. The temptation to lust. Is everybody Okay. <laughs> refusing to speak to a person who's hurt you, the temptation to malice, holding a grudge, repeating a juicy story of your neighbor's misfortune, the temptation to gossip, lying awake at night thinking sensual thoughts, the temptation to impurity, taking your anger out on your children after you've had a hard day at work, the temptation to cruelty, going out to eat when you can't afford it, the temptation to self-indulgence, <laughs> having a second helping and then a third and then wouldn't you know a fourth came the temptation to gluttony now we can talk about that right before we go back here okay firing off a hasty letter to a friend who hurt you the temptation for revenge now we used to see very easily that we have all types of opportunities throughout the day brother Mike Trout for temptation in our life 
And different than what we dealt with in the opening verses of James as he's talking about tests and trials, he said in the opening verses that trials and tests, you, you got to endure some of those things. It's just kind of like the storm that you got to wait out till the clouds roll back and the rain stops falling. You just got to endure some of those things. He said, though, whenever it comes, though, to temptation, that's not something that you endure. That's something that you resist. You resist. Uh, the apostle even said that you should flee from temptation. And the word flee there basically means this. You need to run for your life. Because temptation, if it is for sure temptation to you, it is nothing to be, it's nothing to be played with. It's nothing to be, uh, uh, have on a first name basis, so to speak. It's not to be friends with. And so we like to rally around the ideas, oftentimes as Christians, rally around the ideas of being overcomers, amen. But despite the fact that you must overcome something, you must overcome something in order to label that you are an overcomer. You can't be an overcomer unless there's something to overcome. And I love to say, man, I'm an overcomer, but I hate to think that there's something I'm going to have to overcome. You know, and so, but that is the fact. When we look at verse number 13, the Bible says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Again, James has went back here for a little bit to the subject of trials and temptations. And he reiterates the fact that it is when you are tempted when you are tempted that we need to bring into consideration let no man say when he is tempted i am tempted of god he also addresses an age-old problem right there let no man say when he is tempted i am tempted of god the age-old problem of the blame game right whose fault is it that we are tempted or that we find ourselves in places that we don't need to be or doing things that we don't need to do sometimes we do the blame game which is as old as adam and eve all the way back in the garden, just a quick glance indicates that Eve partook of the tree and then gave to her husband. But the Bible says Eve is getting the blame for the situation because whenever God comes to the man, the head of the house, and says, what have you done? Why are you hiding among the trees? Scripture tells us that Adam responds and says, the woman whom thou, speaking of God, whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the fruit. And so Adam's saying, on one part, it's the woman's fault. On another part, God, you're the one that gave her to me. It's God's fault. And then goes to Eve, and who does Eve blame? She blames the serpent. The serpent beguiled me. That's only right, right? Man, they should take the blame. That's what the serpent did beguile her. She did take, she did give to her husband. It all seems well and fine. I mean, when a person becomes a friend of God, you know, he becomes an enemy to Satan, an enemy of the devil. But God in Scripture may test us. And he may even allow Satan to enter our lives, as he did with Job, to test him with trial and tribulation. But when it comes to temptation, we got to own temptation. We got to own temptation. God doesn't tempt us. He'll give the trial. But it becomes a temptation because our own lust our own desires. We are enticed ourselves. John Owen said it like this one time. He said, temptations and occasions put nothing into a man, but only draw out what was in him before. So the trial, it just brings the temptation out of the man, where his desires, where his wants are. Verse 14 says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. 
in essence, James is telling us that sin has, has two parents, one that's inward and one that's outward. The inward one is this. We have a desire in our life. We have the potential to sin in our life. And then there's an outward one. It's the allurement, the enticing, whatever it may be that's enticing us. I feel like the Apostle Paul that says, that was me and not the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. So we have a natural, we've all been given wants and desires in our life that's been given to us by God. But whenever we want to satisfy those, those desires inappropriately, that's when we get in trouble. For instance, we all have the desire around, you know, uh, the morning hour at noon that we become hungry or whatever it may be. Uh, so we'll talk about gluttony again. But when that's in excess and we try to satisfy that above and beyond, we still got problems, don't we? Let's just cut. The right now, I'm tempted to get frustrated. But I'm trying not to be allured and enticed by it. <clears throat> But we all have desires in life. You're hungry. You want to feed yourself. But it's whenever you want to satisfy those wants and those desires inappropriately that that gets us in trouble. Naturally, man's inbred desire from the very nature, from the very beginning of time is to do wrong. And so we're constantly in a war every day. Amen. Between what our natural man would want to do and what God would have us to do. Amen. So we got to be persistent. We got to be persistent against the nature of temptation. It's kind of like the man that was on a diet and he's struggling a little bit. Anybody been there? You don't have to say amen or oh me. But been struggling maybe a little bit on a diet. He had to go downtown. And so as he started out, he remembered the route that he was going to take. It was going to take him by one of his favorite donut shops. And so as he got closer, he thought that a cup of coffee would perhaps hit the spot. And then he remembered again, I, I, I'm dieting, I'm trying to diet. And that's when he prayed and he said, Lord, he said, if you want me to stop for a donut and coffee, let there be a parking place in front of the shop. And he said, sure enough, he said, I found a parking place right in the front on my seventh time around the block. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now to someone else, a donut shop might not mean anything. Amen. That might not be a trial for anybody, but to that man, because he was allured. He wanted that coffee and he wanted that donut seven times around, found him a parking spot right on the front row. Amen. In order to satisfy what he wanted. Amen. And so the fact is, many folks wrongly conclude that that times of stress and struggle sometimes or somehow justify ungodly responses. That just because stress or things are going wrong, then we can okay inappropriate behavior, right? Because we're just in a bad spot. I mean, all you need to do is take two people that's in a moment of disagreement and you're going to find each side's going to start justifying their statements or why they reacted the way they reacted, uh, why they had a hateful attitude, why, why the, the, all of that seemed to rise to the surface. They're going to justify that because they feel like it was okay because they were under a struggle or a stressful time. It is we who turn our occasions of testing into moments of temptation. In reality, a temptation is an opportunity to accomplish a good thing in a bad way, out of the will of God. 
If you want to pass the exam of temptation, you're going to have to be aware of your surroundings. There isn't anything wrong with the desires that we have. It's all right right for a man to desire a woman and a woman to desire a man. It's all right to desire food. It's all right to desire rest. All those things are proper. But when you cheat in order to pass the test, then you've done it wrong. The temptation is to cheat. It's, it's trying to accomplish the good thing in a bad way. You want rest, but you, you're resting through your alarm clock when you should be working. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's achieving that thing in a bad way. The word entice in the scripture, the word entice in verse number 14, when he is drawn away of his own lust and entice, it, came, it comes from a Greek word. The, the New Testament is written in Greek originally. It comes from a Greek word that means this, to bait a hook. When you bait a hook, fisherman, what is your purpose of baiting a hook, of sliding that little worm down on that crooked hook whenever you go fishing? You are hoping to allow that worm to be enticing to the fish that are in the sea. As a matter of fact, from my understanding, I'm not a fisherman. Mike Penrod would probably give us better uh, exclamation, ex, explanation. But whenever you go fishing, there's certain bait that works better for certain fish. What are you trying to do? Find what allures them. Find what they like. But when you put that on the hook, you are trying to hide and cover the danger that is actually there with something that is alluring to the fish. You are camouflaging the danger with the worm or, or whatever else they have that's out there. Some people I've heard put cheese and peanut butter and everything else under the sun upon a hook. But you're trying to camouflage the danger. And so the fish sees the bait, sees the worm, says that looks like a mighty fat a night crawler right there. I would love to have that for dinner. Amen. And it lures them toward the bait. And they think that they're going to get a meal. Man, this is a free meal right here. But instead, instead of getting the worm, which they do get, they also get something else. They get hooked. And they're carried away as the person begins to reel them in on the opposite side of the line. And they that went for a meal now becomes the meal. Amen. Because they were enticed. It is a baited hook. That's the way it is. Amen. With our human nature. Our human nature. For a matter of fact, no one has ever caught a fish. Amen. No one. I know you said you caught one this big, but you didn't catch that fish. The fish caught itself. No one's ever caught a fish. The fish caught itself. Why? Because it was enticed with its own desire by what you had on the bait. And it caught itself. When we find ourselves in moments of temptation and ultimately sin, we really have caught ourselves. We have revealed some strong desires we have in our life that we felt could be satisfied no other way than acting on the moment. Amen. Acting on the moment. So our own lust and our enticements, what they do, they cause us to cloud the reality of the situation. It looks good. It feels good. It's appealing. It's appeasing. And before we know it, in a certain way, we have our mouth around a hook that now has a hold of us. Ask any individual that's looking for their second high. Huh? And they find themselves entrenched in having the hook, if you will, in their mouth. The Bible says in the Old Testament, 
Whenever Abraham and Lot were splitting ways, the Bible says that Lot moved and he pitched his tent toward Sodom and Gomorrah, a very wicked city, a city that you just wouldn't take your family on family vacation. But he decided to pitch his tent or move toward that direction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But I tell you, he would have never done that according to Scripture. And he had not seen that place as the well-watered plains of Jordan. It was appealing to the eye. It was appealing to the natural eye, but the very intent of it and what it was all made up of was wickedness and lewdness, but he was too far that direction, even lived there, was enticed and ensnared before he understood the whole, the whole picture of that particular story. The Bible says in Psalm 69 and verse 22, this is the word of the psalmist David, let their table become a snare before them. And that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. The drawing away and the enticement plays on the appetite of an individual. What the Bible is basically saying here, let their table become a snare before them. Their table. We all have different appetites. Some people like Chinese. I particularly hate it. No offense to anybody that likes it. Others like, like Mexican food. Others are Italian. You all have these different things that you have an appetite for. But if I were to put, if you were to put before me some Chinese food on a table, honey, you don't have to worry about me sitting down. You don't have to worry about me getting whatever it is, compound chicken or whatever it is on there. You don't have to worry about me putting in that my, my mouth. Why? That has no bearing upon me because that, my appetite is not directed in that direction. Amen? But if you were to put some Italian food or Mexican food or Japanese food, there is a difference between the Japanese and the Chinese. I'm telling you right now. Japanese food on the table, I'm going to sit down there and I'm going to eat because that is something that is alluring to me and enticing to me. So this is how the Bible says their table becomes a snare to them because what they have an appetite for. What they have an appetite for is the very thing that our enemy or situations will come and use to try to draw us in. Because you have an appetite for those things. You look at someone and think, man, I have the slightest idea why they're all taken up and all that. It's because you don't have an appetite for it. But in the same measure, they might be looking at your life, why you do such and such or go down that road whenever that's something they don't have an appetite for. It's all about whatever your desires are is what's going to pull you and cause you to be led into a path of temptation if you don't keep your eyes wide open. Amen. you got to hold on. Amen. One's table might not be your table, but we all have a table that we are enticed by. Amen. And the world and our adversary knows what that table is. And that's the one he pushes in front of us. That's a test. But it becomes a temptation when you pull up to the table. Amen. It becomes a temptation when you pull up to the table. I'd love to just be able to shrug it all off and say it doesn't really matter to me. But I'd be lying straight through my teeth. Because there are some things, even in my personal walk with the Lord, that's more of a struggle for me than it is for Zach McGee. And there's some things that's more of a struggle for him than it is me. But we both have our own vice. And we got to be aware of what they are. The Bible says in verse 15 of James 1, Then when lust have conceived. So here we are. We've tempted. We've been drawn away of our own lust and enticed. And when lust have conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, if nothing's done with it, if it continues when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Here's a statement in our hearts and minds this morning. Temptation is not sin. 
Temptation is not sin. Considering the book of Hebrews, where it is speaking of Jesus, the Son of God, the flesh, if you will, Hebrews 4.15. For we have not a high priest, speaking of Jesus Christ, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Look at it now. Speaking of Jesus, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, meaning the humanity side of Jesus Christ, the human part of Jesus Christ, tempted in all ways like we were, yet without sin. The divine part of Christ couldn't be tempted because no man can tempt God. But the human side of Jesus was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. Why was he without sin? He never took the bait. It's not to say it wasn't alluring, but he never took the bait. He never joined his desire with that enticement. Amen. And therefore, he was never tempted. I'm not saying that you'll never be tempted, but I'm saying you can be aware that temptation is not sin. If Eve had stopped at looking at the fruit, even taking it off the tree, things would have been different. But when she partook of it, that changed everything. Had Lot just looked at the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah and never pitched his tent there and never dwelt there, things would have been different. Had Achan, the Bible, I believe it is in Joshua 7, Achan, the Bible says that after the war, there were some spoils that were left. And God said that these spoils are going to be my first fruits. They're going to belong to me. I don't want you to take them. You can't take of the spoil. It was a common thing after battle that those that were the victors could take the spoil. But he said, since this is the, the first city in the land of promise, he said, you're not to take of the spoil. Any person that takes of the spoil, it is an accursed. It's an accursed thing. It's, it's not going to do you any good. Amen. It's going to be trouble in your life. And the Bible says, though, Achan, after that order was given... And the victory was won. Here's the spoil. And he looked and he seen a Babylonian garment, a wedge of gold. He seen all these things. And the Bible says he desired to have them. And then he what? Took them. It wasn't wrong for him just to be desirous of those things. That was temptation. But that wasn't sin. But the moment that he took them and hid them under his tent and tried to act like he never did anything. That's where... Lust conceived and it brought forth sin. And ultimately we find that they cast lots to find out who had taken this stuff. Because Israel's not being victorious in battling now. They're having loss after loss. That whenever the lot was cast, it come to find out that it was Achan and his family. And they brought him forth. And they brought all these things that he had taken forth. And the Bible says that he and his family was stoned. So ultimately, in the story of Achan, it wasn't just that temptation wasn't sin, but whenever he went further and desired and took, it became sin that ultimately the finish for he and his family in a very natural realm, they all died. They all died, and the Bible says, in the battle or in the valley of Accor. So I'm telling you this morning, temptation isn't sin. You don't have to be alert and enticed, although that will take place in your life, and have it lead you down a road of sin to ultimate peril. You can stop this thing along the road. Just because something entices you doesn't mean you have to give in to it. Here's the power of being a person. You still have a choice. God has always left humanity with a choice. From the beginning in the garden to the very end of the book of Revelation, he has always given humanity a choice. And that's the reason why someday when we stand before God, we're going to be standing in the balance wanting. Why? Because you had a choice. You had a choice. Amen. Left to right. Right or wrong, 
Yes or no? We all are given the power of a choice. And so James is trying to condition us. James is trying to uh, direct us and guide us on how to make the proper choices when our test become temptations for us and how to stop right there at conception so that sin's not brought forth and ultimately that we don't perish with some type of peril in our lives. Amen. Can someone say amen? Amen. And so Christ as a man never gave way to temptation. He never took the bait. But what happens is when there's that outward enticement that comes and that outward enticement meets with an inward desire of us that something is created. It's like conception has happened. The natural desire, we might even call it. It's faced with an opportunity. It's faced with an enticement. It's joined by our will to want to put our desire into action. Because that's what happens mostly with desire. Sooner or later, it seems like you act upon what you want. You act upon what you desire. So when we talk about Christian or living or living, trying to live in, in, in harmony with God, it is a matter then of choice. It's a matter of will. It's not a matter of our feelings. Big difference between your will and feelings. People have said, for instance, you try to be you try to walk with the Lord and you know it's important to read his word every day or uh, to worship or attend church. And then you have, well, I don't feel like reading my Bible or I don't feel like attending church or I don't feel like worshiping. Well, whenever we talk about maturing in the Lord, it's not all about what you feel. It's not operating based upon what you feel. We know even that as adults, uh, there's not every day that you all feel like going to work. Right. You don't like, feel like mowing your lawn, right? You, sometimes, believe it or not, your wife might have something cooked and you really don't feel like eating that this evening. Now don't tell her that. <laughs> My God. Come back for anger on Wednesday. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But whenever you become an adult, it's just not about operating on our feelings, it's about operating on the basis of will. You act... Because it's right. Hmm. I go to work when I don't feel like it because it's right to do. No, it's right to do. I eat it whenever I don't feel like eating because I know it's right to do. She spent hours putting this together. Oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> you remember that, Tyler Cruz. You remember that. <laughs> it's not about how you feel. It's about, it's about your will. The Bible says in Philippians 2 and verse number 13, this is a great scripture. The Bible says, for it is God, everybody say God, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. To both to will and do of his good pleasure. In other words, it's literally this, for it is God which worketh in you both to do what you want to do of his good pleasure. The great thing, if you have experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you experience Christ in your life, then God in you is working in you to do what God wants you to do. Now, that's a mouthful, I know. But whenever you receive his spirit, you receive a will to do the things that God desires for you to do. Rather than your own desires, he's inserted a new desire. A new appetite, if you will. 
Does that say that the old appetite is totally annihilated and it's no longer there? No. It's kind of like the man, you're, you've heard the story, I know Bishop has told it years ago, kind of like the man with two dogs, right? He had two dogs. I don't remember the totality of the story, but this is the gist of it. Basically, we have two dogs in our lives. You have one that is good and one that is evil. Whatever dog you feed, that's the dog that's going to stay alive. We got two appetites within this humanity. If you've received the spirit of Christ, you have the will of Christ. You have the will of your human nature. And whichever dog you feed, that's going to be the one that lives. That's the one that's going to have preeminence in your life. Now notice now, notice what James says here in the very last verse of our scriptures setting here today. He says, do not err, my beloved brethren. He said, do not err. Because he's speaking to people that are prone to wonder, prone to temptation, prone to roam about or stray from where they are at the moment in time. He's telling these troubled people, they were the scattered, the Bible says, uh, of the tribes of Israel. They were going through moments of testing and trouble. He's telling them, do not err, do not wonder, do not roam, do not be taken astray from where you are. Your feet are on the straight and narrow right now, but there's going to come some testing and some trouble, and you're going to... No, folks. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to be met with some trouble. And I believe the warning also applies to the concern of verse. Testing one. Amen. It's a case study of application here because this is frustrating the tire out of me. <laughs> Amen. We'll try, try this. And I tell you what, so whenever sometimes things go wrong around the church or something's going on, someone says something, sometimes I just tell myself, I don't know, I just go to church there. It's like I just kind of remove myself from the pastoral role. I don't know, I just go to church there, you know. It's just, uh, yeah, that's where I go to church. That's where I go. <laughs> Amen. That's the way I feel like right now, but it's kind of hard to evade me being right here. So I just kind of go to church here. Glad to have you. <clears throat> the warning, though, also applies to verse number 13, I believe. God does not tempt. We need to get that. But he does test. It's by our own lust, our own enticement, that we enter into the realm of temptation. And so I believe James is telling them, don't err in thinking otherwise. Don't err in thinking, well, God brought this on me. No, God might have brought the trial, but you made the temptation out of the trial. You, 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 you made, uh, you know... There, there's things all around us every day that we could be pulling in by. There's things around us that, if you will, that's our table that snares us, so to speak. It's out there. In today's world, if you're tempted or you have lust or desires toward anything, let me tell you, it's an arm's distance of you. Uh, it's at the click of a mouse from you. They're all around you. Amen. But the place where it stops is whenever we make a conscious choice 
I'm not going down that path. And why would we not go down the path? Because we know the writer of James here has already told us that that's just where it starts. Temptation is just the starting place. Sin and the completion, if you will, of death, amen, is the finality of everything. And so you got to live life whenever you look at temptation with the end in view. All right? It's like someone that wants to get, you know, it's so cute just to have a pet bobcat, you know, as a pet. Such adorable. You pet it and it, it drinks milk just like any other kitten in your house. That's wonderful, Brother Josh. But if I'm thinking this thing isn't always going to be able to spit into my two hands. This thing has a nature to meet. This thing has a nature that it prowls. And, 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 and what I'm saying is this. You've got to consider the end from the beginning. Temptation might look like something you, and whatever it is you desire might look like something you can coddle, something you can manage. Huh? Right? You know, I've heard, you know, this morning, the, the drug addict, you know, some of them's got to even stay away from prescription drugs. Huh? The, 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 the one that has been caught up in a lustful and per, per, uh, a lifestyle that they have had with other individuals, prostitutes, mind you, they can't go down the alleys where they hang around corners. The, the alcoholic can't do social drinking. What I'm saying is why? Because that is an allurement. That is a temptation. But we know where that road leads. And I'm, I'm ignorant enough to believe this morning that I don't have a strong enough will sometimes. I don't have a strong enough will if I were the fish in the water. I don't have a strong enough will to lick the worm off the bait and not get the hook. Now, some of them, you know, can accomplish that. They suck that little sucker right over there and say, well, they got, the, they got the food and they get the, well, maybe they have some experience. But let me tell you, most cases are not like that. You're going to launch down upon that thing. You're going to get the worm and you're going to get the hook. And you got to be aware then with temptation that whenever it presents itself, I'm not even going nigh that door. I'm not even going nigh that place. Why? Because I know where that leads. I know where that leads. And the outcome is not going to be in my favor and so we got to safeguard our lives from temptation you can't safeguard your life from test you can't safeguard your life from tribulation but you can safeguard yourself from those things becoming a temptation by the moment that you feel the desire say nope sorry turn your back the other direction and flee and run for your life by keeping the end of the matter in view this might be where it starts but this isn't going to be where it's going to finish and so we got to keep that in view. Tests may be prone, may make us prone to temptation, but that's only because we were drawn away of our own lust and enticed. And sin will bring forth the fruit, if you will, of death ultimately. The Bible says when sin is finished, when sin is finished, it concludes with death. But remember, it started with temptation. It started with me. It will conclude with death. What's death? A separation. There's physical death of times that it leads to. Physical death, the separation of the soul of a man from the body of the man. There's spiritual death that happens of times. The separation of the spirit from God. There's eternal death that can happen. The separation of the spirit from God for all eternity. Honey, we don't want that. We don't want that in our lives. We don't want there to be a death 
amen, between us and God, where we are separated from him eternally, amen, that the Bible calls the second death. No, 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 no. I'm going to put up my walls. I'm going to be wise as a serpent, as harmless as a dove, as the scripture says, and I'm going to be aware whenever temptation comes around the corner. Secondly, consider this, Matthew 26 and verse 41. I'm trying to hasten to a close. Matthew 26 and verse 41, because I, I want to remain working. And if a third one goes on me, and so no, we don't want no demonstrations today. Matthew 26 and verse 41, the Bible says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. That's a command in scripture that we must continually be vigilant and dependent. Why? Because each and every one of us, everybody say that's me. Each and every one of us are one choice, one decision, one step from the snare of sin. Just one. One choice. Doesn't matter who we are. From pastor to guest today. We're one choice. We're one step. We're one decision from the snare of sin. And so the admonition was watch and pray. That he enter not into temptation. He told us the spirit's willing. But there's that fleshly side of you as well. Is that, yeah, yeah. There's some days I wake up more fleshly than spiritual. And there's other days, man, I could conquer every mountain. Tear open the mouth of any lion in the realm of the spirit. And the flesh don't have a foothold. But it's the days that I don't wake up like that. That one choice, that one decision, that one path is more alluring than any other day. And I got to watch and I got to pray that I enter not into temptation. And notice, it's not whenever the scripture states, it's not if, it's not if you're tempted, but it's when you're tempted. Hmm. There's no one that leads a path in this life. They're never tempted. My God, they are so in tune with the Lord and on fire for God that they just walk on the heads of demons and devils. Baloney. I'm going to shake your hand if you're here. You're probably not. But it's not if you're tempted. It's when you're tempted. Temptation's going to come. No matter how guarded you are, temptation is going to come. But i got to be on the watch. I'm not going to allow it to slip up behind me or on my side. I'm, I'm going to be aware of my surroundings. And I need to be prayerful so that my desires will be subjected to his desires. Mm -hmm. That my desires, it will be the God in me working to do his will and his purpose. I'm not going to save myself from every temptation. I tell you right now, being almost 41 years old, I've not ever saved myself from every temptation that came down my road. But perhaps I've saved myself from some. But at least I am aware in Scripture that I can stay on my guard or in a position that would better equip me to defend against the sin that would like to waltz in my life through temptation. You know, and sometimes our trials help do that. If your trial doesn't become a temptation, thank God. Because your trial may be proving you. Your trial may be tempering you in a spiritual way. Years ago, when my wife and I traveled uh, evangelizing, we had a 36-foot fifth wheel that attached to our, our dually truck. And we had done about three, three camp meetings in the year of 2004 from, 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 from uh, Kentucky to Georgia to Texas. And then we had a conference that was in Oklahoma. Those were just weeks back to back. And so there was a lot of traveling. And we was about ready to leave Texas, that Texas camp meeting. And uh, 
as we were going and we left, our starter broke down, had changed the starter out there on the ground and, and got going down the road. And we are on our way to Oklahoma. And I look back in my rearview mirror and I see my trailer. It would normally sit above my truck, maybe that high, but it was about like that high off of my trailer. I think, what in the world's going on? And we stopped at the edge of the road and got out and the little gooseneck that came down, the metal on each side that held my gooseneck, man, the metal was splitting around the boats. It was tearing. It was buckling. I'm thinking, ah, I still had, I don't know, every bit of 50 to 60 miles to, to, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we just went at a snail's pace, everybody honking as they go by, how are you, you know, getting the happy waves and third fingers and all that stuff, and, but I didn't want to lose my trailer, and so we were going and, and finally got to place, anyway, got a new one sent to the hotel we were going to be at, they got that fixed, we left that place, we were going to Missouri then, and I stopped to get gas, and I'm filling up with gas, you know, just happy, you know, to be here. And it's interesting when you was as young as I was and you had a truck and a trailer. Every old couple that had one thought, man, that guy must have knew what he was doing to retire this early, you know. And I'm filling up with gas, and I'm checking, I'm kicking the tires and doing everything you do when you stop. And I went toward the back, and our spare tire is on our bumper. And that spare tire is usually supposed to be just straight erect, but it was bent out like 45 degrees. My bumper was falling off. My trailer, the metal where it attached to my trailer was falling off. I'm thinking, what is the, what's going on with all of this? Well, we finally got that fixed when we got home. Well, we called the company because this is just bizarre. I mean, this is metal, right? So we called the company and he said, sir, he said, sir, I'm so sorry that, that things are happening like this to your trailer. He says, but the only thing that we can guess is that your, your, your metal, your metal never went through the heat treatment that it should have been through. Because metal goes through heat treatment to temper it. To temper it for its weight. And they said the, the engineers tells us that the only way that metal can safely be used after testing is that it's got to exceed the testing requirements of the heat treatment. And when it, when it, when it meets the requirements, then it can be used for its purpose. And said in order to go, in order to meet those standards, it's continuously got to go through the fire. He says when it continuously goes through the fire, it can handle the load. What are you saying this morning? I'm saying there's certain things that come by your life as a test, and you might fall into temptation the first or second time. But if you allow that thing, you allow yourself to go through that once, twice, three times. Honey, you go through the fire long enough, there's going to come a day, I believe, that you're going to get a stronger willpower and will, that whenever that comes by, you're going to say, don't, don't bother me. I've been, this isn't my first. Oh, I've been down this road before. You're not going to have power over me. I'm watching. I'm praying. I'm aware of my surroundings. I'm not going to be taken by the bait. I'm not going to be hooked. I'm not going to be drawn away. I... Hallelujah. When we understand the nature of temptation, what's that mean this morning? That if you've been tempted by things in your life up to this point of time and it seems like you failed and you failed and you failed and you're always reaching up to touch bottom, I'm here to tell you today, it don't always have to be that way. You got a choice, you got a decision, and you can come up on top. You can be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You have to stand with me today. Amen. <laughs> Makes me think of Malachi. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. Rejoice not against me. You got me two days ago or weeks ago or even years ago. Rejoice not against me because when I fall, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to arise. I'm going to arise. And it's important that we learn from the tests 
that becomes temptations to us because we've been drawn away with our own desires and wants. We bow our heads all across this place this morning. There may be somebody hearing the sound of my voice today that says, Brother McGee, you don't even know. You don't even know the things that I'm tempted with. You don't even know the things that are luring to me. And you don't know how many conversations, you don't know how many conversations I've had with myself and said, self, don't go down that road. Self, don't do that. Self, don't, don't smell that. Don't drink that. Don't hear that. Don't look at that. Self, I've had this conversation a thousand times, Brother McGee, and it seems like I fail and I fail and I fail. Sir or ma'am, there might be something. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, if you don't have the Spirit of the, the Holy Spirit of the Holy Ghost in you, I, I'm telling you today, you will find yourself with a upper hand this morning if you get the Spirit of Christ in you because that's God in you to do what He would have you to do. He's going to work with you to accomplish His will. Amen. In your life. You need the Spirit of the Lord. There's some battles we just can't fight on our own. We find ourselves losing each and every time. But you need to be aware of your surroundings. There's some places we just got, we got to be honest with ourselves. There's just some places we just, just can't go because it's going to lead for us. There's just some things we just can't participate in and do because we know where it's going to lead for us. It's a table that ensnares us. It's a table. It's a, something that we have an appetite toward and it's going to ensnare us. I'm telling you today, you need to be conscious of your surroundings. You don't have to live at mercy of your lust and your appetites and trying to satisfy them in a wrong way. You don't have to live in that position or place. God is willing and able here this morning to help aid you to help aid you that says you know what I'm not going to err I'm not going to err I'm going to take it for what it is I'm going to recognize that that's a problem for me I'm going to recognize that's a problem for me I'm going to recognize that that's something that draws me that that's a bait if you will to me I'm going to recognize that this morning but I'm going to look at that and say you know what I can't go there I can't do that I can't taste that I can't smell that I can't hear that whatever it may be I can't why because I know that this is just where it begins me, me initiating that, tasting that, feeling that, whatever it is, looking at that. This is just where it begins. The finish is death. When lust is conceived, it bringeth forth, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. That's not the finish line. And so I don't want to get entangled in that because it'll take me somewhere I don't want to go. It'll have me doing things that I, I would rather. It'll put me in positions that I'd rather not be. You can have victory today. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you sin. But we need to stop this thing at the point of temptation. We need to stop this thing at the point of temptation. It'll help some of y'all's lives and some of your marriages and some of your relationships. Learn how to avoid and learn how to say no to temptation. Oh, can we reach out to God right now all across this place? Master, we need your help today. God, there's things in our life that pull on us. There's things in our life, God, that we are allured by and that we are enticed by. But God, we're asking God for a holy, Lord, a holy unction today. God, to help us make the right choices. God, to help us, Lord, exercise, Lord, our will, Lord, in the positive manner, in the positive nature. We don't want to, Lord Jesus, be blindly took, Lord, by a faith. God, that hooks us and draws us away and down paths, Lord, that are just horrid, Lord. God, draws us down paths, God, that are destructive, God, to our physical bodies and our human nature. God, we want deliverance today. We want to have the upper hand, Lord, over these things in our lives. 
Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Brother Mason, you could play a song this morning. These altars are open. There might be somebody here this morning that's struggling with temptation. There might be somebody here today that, that's tr trying to be drawn away by something they've been drawn away by before. And it's always ended negatively. Hallelujah, you don't have to be drawn this morning. You don't have to take the bait. You could be victorious in Christ Jesus today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.